What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Fitness Oracle. Uh, today's a special day. Today we are uh, we are talking to a very um, unique young man, uh, Brendan Kumarasamy from Master Talk. He, Brendan, is the founder of Master Talk, where he coaches ambit ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become the top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a very popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Like I said, this is a very interesting conversation that I had with a very ambitious young man. Uh, we talk about some very interesting topics that surround public speaking, self-confidence, communication, depression, and failure. Now, just to sum up this whole podcast, what I want you guys to do is I want you to think not like the top one, not like an executive, not like an entrepreneur, but just as a regular person. All these lessons that he talks about, all this stuff that we talk about actually resonates not just for these people, but also for you as well. So grab a pen and paper and uh, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Fitness Oracle, where we have real conversations with real people, just like you, with real stories, just like yours. And this is one of their stories. I am your host, John Katsapos. My guest today is Brandon Kumarasamy. Did I pronounce that right? You got it. Awesome. From Master Talk. Brandon is the founder of Master Talk. He coaches ambitious executives and entrepreneurs to become top 1% communicators in their industry. He also has a popular YouTube channel called Master Talk with the goal of providing free access to communication tools for everyone in the world. Brendan, welcome to the show. Hey, it's good to be here, John. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, it's great to have you here. It's, uh, it's, it's always nice to uh, touch base with people back uh, from my, my, my home in Canada. So tell me, how's, how's Montreal right now? Montreal is beautiful, my friend, especially during the summer. This is where th th I find when you're Canadian, you appreciate the summer so much more. So yeah, definitely enjoying the nice weather here. Sweet. Very sweet. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with you. Like um, we get the short summers, long springs, springs, long falls. I'm using air quotes on those because it's usually just a transition from winter to summer. <laughs> um how did you get in involved with uh with what with the work that you do right now yeah absolutely brother so when i was in university i went to concordia university since you're canadian you might know that with school I, I did my bachelor's there in accounting and my whole life was never about being a coach or a youtuber or an entrepreneur it was to get a really good job out of business school so I did these things called case competitions to get that job. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So while other guys my age were playing rugby or soccer or football or something, you probably wouldn't see me playing. 
I did presentations competitively, John, and that's how I learned how to speak. But then as I got older, I started coaching other students in this program because I wanted them to win competitions too. We didn't really have a coach. So I just started helping them. And then a few years later, I realized that everything that I was teaching them wasn't available for free on the internet. Because a lot of the advice you hear these days is like, be yourself, get up on stage. And I was like, okay, what are you supposed to do with this? So I started making YouTube videos on the topic. And then one thing led to another. And here we are today. Sweet. Um, that's, uh, it's interesting. I've never heard myself of presentation competitions, but uh, I can see where it comes in handy. I can see where it would come in handy in somebody's life. Um, are there days where you just say, you know, what? Well, fuck it, just, I've, I've had enough. I just want to quit. For a master talk? For, yeah, for basically what you're doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially in the early days, I would say, you know, I always like to say that we we're always the most fragile at the beginning of one's idea. To be honest, dude, I mean, when I started Master, I thought it was the stupidest idea in the world. I mean, I was a 22 year old kid making videos in my mother's basement. By the way, I'm still living in my mother's basement. And who would have in their dreams thought people would watch YouTube videos on communication tips? I really felt that I had nothing to share. I just started making videos for the people who are younger than me. Maybe they could relate to me, maybe with strong word there. And then I had this brilliant idea too, brilliant, I'm being sarcastic here, where a few months into Master Talk, I thought of sending my YouTube videos to university professors. Because if university professors watch my stuff and they like it, they'll just start with their students. Yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, a lot of them spat in my face. They said like, uh, yeah, you suck or you don't call me my first name. Yeah, so it wasn't really a a fun community community to jive with. So yeah, did I have moments I wanted to quit? Absolutely, but I overcame over time. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's something that I want to talk about later uh, in the show is the the current education system and how it's, um, in my point of view, it's failing. But uh, that's something that you and I can talk about into depth a little bit later on in the show. But uh, the the meat and potatoes of this whole show is just going to be about public speaking, um, you know, and all that stuff. So when it comes to public speaking, it's super hard for a lot of people. And it's something that we do on a daily basis. It, and it's just, it's the weirdest, it's the weirdest thing that we have as humans is that the easiest thing that we do from the youngest age is the hardest thing to do, uh, as we grow older, why do you think that is so? Absolutely, brother. You know, before, and I used to get this question, like, where does the fear of communication come from? I used to say San Diego, but, you know, I've been, I've been able to, to change my answer a little bit over time. And it actually ties into the education system a little bit here, John. Let's think about it. Where do we learn communication? To your point, at a younger age, specifically public speaking. And we learn it in school, elementary school, high school, that's where we learn the habits of communication. But the problem with all those presentations, John, is threefold. Number one, all of those presentations are mandatory. We don't wake up one morning and say, hey, John, do you want to get breakfast and present all day? Nobody says that. And so that's problem number one. Problem number two, every presentation is different and you don't get to pick the topic. So you don't walk into an education system or a classroom where the teacher says, Johnny, what do you like to present? What are you passionate about? Do you like hairstyles? Do you like houses? Do you like Florida? 
Do you like podcasting? No, that's not how it works. It's, yeah, you got to talk about the Renaissance and Shakespeare. And you're like, who am I shaking? What am I shaking? What's going on here? And you have to give these random presentations that you didn't, you couldn't care less about. That's problem number two. And problem number two, which is the worst of all, every single presentation is tied to a punishment. So if you don't do a great job, no one's going to say, hey, John, no worries. You did such a fantastic job. Let's give him a round. I'm just looking for my tissue papers here. Let's give him a round of applause as we give him a badge of participation in the award. No, that's how the education system works. The education system works like this. Yeah, you didn't do a great job. Yeah, you lose 30% of your mark. So let's recap that, John. All the presentations we've given in our life are mandatory. We never get to pick the topic. And they're tied to a punishment, not the best way to learn something. So that's why a lot of us struggle with communication is because we see it as a chore. Do you think that's kind of important to learn how to fail? I definitely do. I, and the, <laughs> that was a funny spin. Yeah, I, absolutely. Right. I, I definitely think failure is a part of it. And I think why most people don't succeed is because they don't see failure for what it is, which is a workout at a gym. In the same way that when we go to the gym, we work out every day to get better, not necessarily to be the best, but to just improve every day. Learning how to fail is the same logic, where we need to learn how to make mistakes a lot. There's a great quote by, on this by Jeremy Coward. He says, the more that you execute, the more that you fail. The more that you fail, the more that you don't care about failing. And the more that you don't care about failing, the more you execute. It's just more, more of the times we, a lot of us get lost in the failures and we think it's game over. Whereas me, I fail every day. I mean, I get rejected all the time to be on podcasts, even if, even if I, I guessed on so many. So, so there you go. <laughs> no, I, I kind of, you kind of just, because uh, I want to talk about failure a little bit more because it's probably for me, the most important thing a human being can, can do is to fail. Uh, I want to go into further into that little bit, little bit more into this show. But for now, I want to talk about more about public speaking, and um, what can come out of somebody, you know, getting on a stage or coming onto a podcast is going to get, you know, anywhere between uh, ten and ten thousand downloads. Like, how do you help somebody uh, develop tools so that they can get over their fear of public speaking? Yeah, for sure, brother. You know, for me, it always starts with this question. And the question is a very simple one to get us started. How would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? You know, the biggest problem with communication is it's tied with negativity, anxiety, and stress. And it's not great. It's not fun to master versus going, okay, we dream about a vision for our life. We dream about the expensive vacations we're going on this year. We dream about the houses, the cars, the fancy stuff that we're buying. When was the last time we dreamed about our communication skills? When was the last time we took the time to say, hey, you know what? In this world that I get to live in, what if I was an exceptional communicator in that world? What would that world actually look like for me? And it doesn't need to be motivational speaker making $50 million a year and speaking in front of 50,000 people. It could simply be, you know what? Me and my wife argue a lot. And if I was a better communicator, she'd probably yell at me less. So start to reflect on that question. Don't just write it down on a piece of paper. Start to reflect. And that's when you start getting excited about learning something. Because if we're not excited about learning something, John, as you know very well, we probably won't do it. So I would start the conversation there. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, to be honest with you, one of my favorite speakers out there is Dr. Jordan Peterson. I mean, he can take a concept and he could like exactly how I'm thinking is exactly how he's saying it. And I find it such a skill and such a mastery of the language that it, it, it just blows my mind. And uh, it's uh, Elon Musk that actually, actually said about uh, being able to, you know, transition the, the thought to words and for the other person for the, to, to, to listen to the words and process the words as to what I was thinking. There's a lot of meaning that is lost between that processing. What do you think Dr. Jordan Peterson has that most of us are missing? Yeah, absolutely. I would say the biggest thing that Jordan has is empathy. He's extremely empathetic to his audience, and he's always questioning his own ideas to make sure that when those ideas are communicated to other people, it's, it's super clear. I'll give you an example. You know, the, the guy's, you know, not the youngest person on the block, yet I believe in the last two years, he's been to like almost every state in America to give workshops, to give seminars, even if he's not in the best health. And the reason he does that is because he really cares about people. So when he's having conversations, John, with different individuals, he's understanding what their pains are, what their objections are, and he's able to bring that back out. So as an example with me, when I used to guest on podcast, I used to get, go through every tip in the book. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. And you know what I realized? No one implemented any of it. And I said, okay, I need to go back to square one. What's something that I need to change in my approach? And what changed was the art of simplicity. So now I, I say super simple things that people could do. Okay, I could probably reflect on how would my life change for 10 minutes. And that should convince people that they can be great communicators. And then they'll watch the YouTube videos and go through the complex stuff later. But that's the point. What I find unique about Jordan Peterson's speaking style is he... he exercises extreme empathy for other people and he's able to talk the same language as his audience because he has dinner with them because he actually spends time with them in in a way that most of us just don't so it's more in the lines of uh socrates where it's like he's questioning everything and he understands where everybody is coming from and he can kind of have like a uh a basis for them to speak on. Absolutely. And, and to give some practical things here, people can, can ask questions to the audience that they want to serve, John. Here's a couple of questions I love. If you were in my shoes, how would you communicate my idea? That's one that I love. Another one is who should I speak to to help me better understand the idea I'm communicating? So that way they say, oh, you should talk to this person, they'll help you. Just somebody in the audience. And then the third question is, if you had to remove one thing from my speech, what would you remove and why? And what I like about that presentation, that question, is it forces negative feedback. So when, when you ask somebody if you, were, if you had to remove something, well, everything was great, but if you had to remove something, then they might say, oh, well, I would remove this part. They'll say, why? Oh, because I don't really understand this word. But if you ask that question a thousand times, eventually, Every single sentence that comes out of your mouth will only be the most essential parts of your idea, your key message. Do you think uh, figuring out one person's why is more important as to what they're trying to say? 
I think it's a mix. I think why and what comes hand in hand in some ways where when you do something, I think the biggest mistake people make, John, is they don't take action at all. So they don't do anything. So, so the why just won't fall on their lap because they're not really focusing on anything. But if you also spend too much time on the why, but you're not doing any what, you don't know if you're actually, if that is actually your why. I'll give an example of what I mean here. I would say have goals, even if they're small, to get you started. So for me, when I got started, it was never about starting a YouTube. I just wanted a job as an accountant. But that what drove me to my why. Because the accounting forced me to get a job at one of the big four accounting firms, Deloitte, PwC, Ernst & Young, KPMG. But I realized a lot of people who worked at these companies did case competitions. And I said, oh, what's a case competition? And then I started doing that. And that what eventually led me to start coaching these students on communication and led to my why later in life. But I never had a why until three or four years ago. But I think the problem with most of us is we don't prioritize the what. We don't actually make decisions because decisions are often more important than passions in many ways. Because we can be passionate about anything. We can be passionate about our dog. We can be passionate about our hairstyle. We can be passionate about videos on YouTube versus going, okay, what's actually going to serve the world? And then through that, we find our why. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, switching gears to the communication aspect of it, women in general have an easier way of communicating their thoughts than men do. Why do you think this is? Very easy, actually. The reason women have an easier time is because they talk more often than men. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. I'll give you an example. Uh, women, when they're in a support group to talk about how their day is, talk about how their week is, uh, they can't go without a few days talking to their girlfriends. But men, I mean, we could go a month or two easily. Like there's so many friends in, in our network. We have a touch base with it a month that we just message, we go, hey, dude, what's up? And they just go, it's life. Life's good. And you're like, okay, cool. And you just move on. We don't really have those, the frequency of the communication is actually a lot less intense between men than between women. That's why women have an easier time understanding the nuances around communication that men do. That's the simple answer to the question. I like simple. <laughs> I think most of my audience likes simple. Um, if we can master communication, like you, like we've been saying throughout all so far in the show, um, it is a powerful tool. It's a very powerful tool if you can do it. I mean, we've seen it with, Dr. like like we said before, Dr. Jordan Peterson, with Socrates, with, with you know, the, the difference between men and women. How can a guy who's down on his luck and, you know, is not, his life is kind of not where the quote unquote expected life is for a man to be, how could he improve his communication skills when he doesn't even feel confident enough to express them? Absolutely, John. You know, for me, here's, here's what I think about this. I think communication is an amplifier of dreams in the sense that, let's say, for example, you want to be a thought leader. Let's use you as an example. You're already a great communicator, but if you got even better, the podcast would grow faster, you'd reach more lives, you'd get more speaking opportunity. So it's an amplifier, it's an accelerator of your dreams. But what I would say to the specific audience that you mentioned is if you don't really have dreams yet, there's nothing to accelerate. 
there needs to be something that you want. So I would begin the conversation with what's something that you really want? And it doesn't need to be more money necessarily. It could be being more happy. It could be smiling a little bit more every day, regardless of what that's spending more time with your mom, you know, whatever that thing is. And then would you write down that thing, ask yourself, how does communication play a role in that specific goal? So I'll give you an example. Let's say someone's listening to this and they're saying, you know, my goal is to actually be happier. I'll say, okay, what does that look like for you? It says, oh, you know, being happier means spending more time with my family. Okay, well, how does communication play into that? Well, uh, communication plays into that because if I can communicate better with my family, I'll argue with them less and we'll actually enjoy the time that we spend rather than hating it. Oh, so that's how communication gets tied into what we desire, what we want. And, and Tony Robbins says it best, John, if something is not a must, it won't get done. It needs to be a must. And if it's a must, we'll make it happen. So start thinking about in your life, what is that must for you? What is that one thing, those two things? Does it need to be a, buy a big mansion? What's a couple of things that you really want out of life? And then out of that list, what is the one you, thing you want the most? And how does communication play into that goal? So there's a couple of ways you can go about this. One is family. The other one is health. Well, if I got better with communication, I could hold myself accountable to other people. I could have accountability partners to make myself healthier. Well, if it's a context of relationships, then it's shit. Well, if I communicate better, I can make better friends. I can have better conversations. I can get out there, go to conferences. And if it's the context of business, I can make more money. I can get more sales. Just find the angle that motivates you the most and pursue it. Very, very good. You, you, you brought up an interesting talking point, and I want to touch up on this because uh, uh, coming from Greek descent, we know and we love our arguments. Um, if you've ever been to a Greek house uh, with Greek families, aunts, uncles, cousins inside the same house, everybody's quote unquote yelling at each other, but we're actually talking to each other. And I want to get your point of view because I know there's a lot of uh, nationalities out there that that don't think that that kind of communication is important but I want to see I want I want from your perspective how important how important are arguments interesting I I would say arguments are a necessary way to build deeper relationships with the people around you but there's a couple of points that I would want to drive there one part is figure out what types of arguments you need to have and which ones you don't need to have. So pick your fights wisely. Me and my mom, we never talk business because it doesn't matter. She isn't a business woman. I'm a business owner. Look, we won't talk business. I ask her about how her day is. Ask her how the, the plants in her garden are going. And, you know, we might argue over family things and how to spend my time with family versus on the business. Those are the things I argue or when I should get married, things like that. But, but we won't argue over things that are not necessary, like politics, religion. We never argue over these things. So I would say pick your fights wisely. You don't need to pick a fight that you, that you know you can't win. And by you win, it doesn't mean the other side losing, but both of you losing. Like, what's the point at the end of the day? Like, if you're a hardcore, I don't know, Democrat and I'm a hardcore Republican as an example, I'm not, but let's say that's the example. Okay, and we want to be friends. Let's, let's just not argue with politics. Sure, we can have fun with it. But let's, not, let's not dig a ditch where we don't need the ditch to be in, right? So I would say that's one piece. The other piece is when you, do, when you have arguments, set a clear set of rules. So for example, 
if if something gets out of proportion, just close the argument, like take a rest, take a break from it. Don't let it escalate into proportion. And three is just understand the energy of the other people in the room to see what arguments you can have and which ones you should avoid altogether. Interesting, because like I said, like Greek descent, we're like, this is my point of view and I, I, I respect your point of view, but I'm going to voice my point of view. Yeah. I know you're going to voice your point of view and it's, do you think it's important to listen to both sides? So maybe, you know, something might come out of it. Something might not just come out of it. Some, someone might just need to vent. Someone might just need to listen, or maybe both people need to vent at the same at each other. Do you think that's also important? Absolutely. Here, here's what I think. I think, and I agree with that. So let me just build on that. John is what I think is we need more room in the world for questions rather than statements. So a lot of people, when we enter conversations in either style, like, you know, the Greek style is fine. As long as it's amongst Greeks, it doesn't matter, right? So that's totally fine with me. I think it's more about what percentage of what we're communicating is a statement versus a question. So a lot of the time when we're talking to somebody, whether they're from Greek descent or not, it's usually statement, 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 statement. I believe this. Well, I believe this. Well, I believe this. Well, I believe this. So what we'll find is 80, 90% of what most that comes out of our mouth is usually a statement, not a question. Whereas what I found, John, is that the best communicators on the planet have a lot more questions. So when somebody asks as a statement, they don't respond with a statement. So if somebody goes, I believe this, the other person just goes, why do you believe that? Why is that important to you? Well, I like oranges. What is it about oranges that you find fascinating? So they, they flip the script on its head. They ask more questions. So I feel that the overarching principle when it comes to communication, when it comes to arguments or just maintaining convo is what percentage of what we're saying is statements rather than questions. And we need to start challenging ourselves to ask one, two, three questions a day rather than the usual zero that we're accustomed to every day. Do you think that, the, that, 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 that challenge for yourself helps to build confidence in the person that is taking in all this information and asking all these questions. Uh, just cause like a lot of, a lot of people listening to this show, they don't have, they have a lack of self-confidence. They're, they're depressed. They're, uh, they're, they're, they isolate themselves. Do you think asking more questions will help them build their self-confidence? Absolutely. I definitely think asking questions builds self-confidence, but not just to others, but mostly to yourself. I'll give you a quote from me. I'll use Tony and then I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase. So Tony has a quote that says, the quality of your life is solely determined by the quality of the questions that you dare to ask yourself. My version of this is if you ask yourself one hard question every day about life for 30 days, you'll never be the same ever again. And the reason I say this is because questions lead to reflection, reflection leads to insights, and insights lead to transformation. So how does that look like in our day-to-day -day life? I'll give you a couple of questions. These are really hard questions, but that's what you got to do. You got to face the truth if you want to live a better life. So one of those questions is, if you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time? Let's say money wasn't an issue. Let's say I gave you a billion dollars. You don't have to retire anymore. There's nothing to retire from. You're done. Like the game's over. So what do you do with your time? Are you going to travel? Which is what most people say. And then I just respond with, how long are you going to travel for? Five years? And then after that, are you dead? What happens? So this really helps you reflect on how you want to invest your time, not your money. That's number one. 
Another question is if you could only accomplish three things, just three things in your life, nothing more, nothing less, what would you choose and why? And this really helps you narrow your focus. Huh, if I could only accomplish three things in my life, what would I actually want out of life? And then the third question, I'll only leave it to three today to not overwhelm people. If you're 99 years old on your deathbed and you had an opportunity to come back to right now, what would you do right now and why? And these are the hard questions of life, John. So when we learn to ask questions, we figure out what we stand for, what we believe in, what we value. And once we know those things, that's where self-confidence comes from. Self-confidence doesn't come from a crock. It doesn't come from a glass of water. It doesn't come from jumping jacks in the morning. It comes from promises that you make to yourself and understanding what it is that you're actually trying to fight for. And once you figure that, that out, there's nothing in the world that can stop you. That's amazing. Because I asked that same question in one of my programs. Um, to ask people to write their eulogy. And it's a powerful, powerful tool to understand, you know, when you're gone, what do you want to leave behind? How are people going to remember you? What are people going to say about you when you're taking that final nap? You know, it's, it's such a powerful tool. And I, and I love that you, that, that you said that with one of your top three, because it's, it's such a powerful tool for people to do. Do you think jumping jacks in the morning, because I love doing my jumping jacks and push-ups in the morning, like it's part of my daily routine. Do you think it is important to keep you um, to boot to, to to boost those endorphins and all that, all that you know, good feeling stuff going on in your day, so you can, so you can, you know, get out of depression or at least maintain or control depression because you never really get out of it. You're always in it and help boost your self-confidence because when you're, when you're doing it, you've, and I'll let you answer it. No, you're, you're definitely, I'm definitely not hating on the jumping jacks. So it's good. It's good that you're, you're jumping the jacks in the morning. Uh, here, here's what I think, John, I, I'm not, I'm not the type of person who's going to say, you need to do this. You need to do that. For me, it's more about do more of you, but try everything. I'll give you an example. There, I got this from Patrick Collison. I love, I love his take on this. He's the CEO of Stripe. It's like this payments company. And he says that the best founders listen to everyone and ignore everyone all at the same time. He meant it in the context of business. I think of it more in the context of the CEO of our life, which is us. So what does that mean? That means listen to everyone and make your own decisions. So what's my take? My take is try every routine that you think will make you happy and then stick with the things that you actually feel like you can do sustainably that actually makes you happy. I'll give you a couple of examples with me. 5 a.m. club doesn't work for me. I'm a big believer in 8 a.m. club. So I wake up at 8 a.m. I go to bed at midnight. Works for me. One. Two, I never exercise in the morning. Why? Because I just get tired. I'm tired in the morning. I don't want to tire myself off for the day because I have a podcast. and I'm doing... So it doesn't work for me, but it works for other people. Meditation, can't do it. I tried it. I don't like it. But there's habits that I do that I am very consistent with. As you can tell, I'm not like overweight or anything. So there's definitely something I'm doing, right? So what do I do consistently? Number one, I listen to two hours of podcasts every day, 90 minutes of podcasts every day, consistently, almost religiously, actually. Just this morning, I listened to an episode. And that I do because I love podcasts and I'm always learning every day. Every first meeting for me needs to be learning that, because that's what works for me. But I don't read books. That's another thing. I hate books. 
I feel they're too long. I get really bored. I start falling asleep. So, so that's why I like, I like adding these points because it makes me human, right? It allows people to focus on what actually matters. So two hours a day, I do intermittent fasting. So I only eat eight, I only eat for eight hours out of any given day. So I still haven't had food yet. I, I probably won't eat until two o'clock. So I always skip breakfast. And what's the other piece is I eat at least an avocado almost every day or so. So I eat avocados, blueberries, strawberries. That's it. That's all I do. And then I exercise sometimes in the evening, three times a week. <laughs> Done. So what's the, what's the point here? Do what makes you happy. Figure out the things that make you happy. For me, it's dancing alone in my mother's basement. It's clubbing. I don't drink, but I love clubbing. I love just going dancing for eight hours straight. It's great exercise. And I love karaoke. But the people are listening to me like, shit, I don't like that. I'd rather sit at a, a, like under a tree and read a book. Exactly. That's the point. Figure out what makes you happy. It's called a bliss list. Make a list of those things and just do more of those things. Yeah, it's, um, it's, 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 it, it's great to hear that somebody's named it something because uh, for me, it's just like a mental list. Like I love books. I, I read three books at a time and I absolutely love it. Podcasts. I'll listen to a podcast if I, if I go to the gym, uh, which I'm going to start back up probably on Monday because no, I can't because anyways, <laughs> Sunday, tomorrow, I got to tomorrow. I'm going to the gym. Um, I love travel. Like there's a lot that I do, but there's, there's some that it took a long time for me to figure out what I truly love. And because life, as you get, as you get older, life happens, disappointment, major disappointments happen in your life and it can derail your entire, your entire life. You think you're going one way and all of a sudden this major event happens in your life and all of a sudden, boom, you're gone. How can you reach out to that one person that's in that right now and say, you know what? What do you do? Mm. What would you tell them? Can you repeat that again? So, <laughs> so you're on the path of success. You have daily routines in place. Your every your entire life is going perfectly. Mm. Okay, and all of a sudden you have this major, major life event that is uh, unavoidable. There are a couple of them that are unavoidable unavoidable and it's usually the loss of a loved one in one way or another what would you tell that one person like that to help build their self-confidence to, to get them back to where they're supposed to be on that path of you know everything is great everything is fine everything is dandy Absolutely, brother. So everyone's going to give you a different take on this. I'm more of a stoic, so I have a different perspective on this. So a couple of things. I would say one is always remember the future vision of who you're supposed to be. Never lose sight of that future vision, especially as men. Like We always get excited about that future vision. That's what keeps us motivated. That's what keeps us pushing. And know that that future version of who you're meant to be is going to have a price. It's going to have certain obstacles, certain challenges and how you approach it. And losing a loved one is one of those things. So I would say, have that focus and remind yourself of the inspiring vision. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is have a support system. 
you know, one of the reasons why I've been able to, to overcome a lot of the challenges I've had in my life, like my dad passed away a few years ago and, and all that jazz is because I had the right support system, right? The people who would pick me up. I have very positive people in my life. I don't have a single negative person. So whenever something bad happens in my life, they're always willing to catch me and throw them and spring more of me back into my purpose and my vision and, and what I'm meant to do in life. And that's the other piece. And the third piece that I would say is a little bit darker but I feel it makes sense. And Patrick Bed David talks a lot about this is you need to always prepare for the worst. I'll give you an example. I always think about my mom's funeral. Always. Even if she's not dead. She's, she's perfectly fine. She's upstairs reading a book. Everything's great with her. But I always imagine, because I know that day will come. She'll obviously, she'll obviously leave before I do just based on the age difference and all that stuff. So it's just something I think about, John. And the reason I think about it in advance is to keep me grounded on the present, but also to remind me of how, what I, how I need to process the emotions when I come. But it also helps me make better decisions today. So I'll give you an example. It's me. That's why I live with her, because I know I don't have a lot of time with her. I, I probably have 30 years with her, 20 years, maybe even 10, who knows? But she's someone I care about, so I, I'd rather just stay with her. So that way, when it's time for her to go, whether it's in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, ideally it's 50 years, then I can look back at my life, stare at the casket and say, this sucks. It's a terrible day, but I have no regrets because I spent every moment that I could with her. So I'd say the third piece is also visualize bad things happening. So when they do happen, it still sucks but it's not as shocking as it otherwise would be. And this is why when we started this podcast, I'm always in a good mood. And that's not fake. The reason I'm always in a good mood is because I've already imagined every worst thing that could ever happen to me. I've already played out those scenarios. So every time I wake up, because happiness is all about expectation, I go, shit, my mom's still alive. Sister's still alive. Everyone's healthy. We're not in debt. Fuck, life is amazing. That's awesome. Um, and I, I meant to touch up on this a little bit earlier, but so I want to touch up on it now. And you and, and you keep talking about this is the darkness in people. And Dr. Jordan Peterson actually speaks about what stepping into your darkness, living your darkness. This is probably one of the most powerful exercises a person can do. But if they do it for too long, depression will hit in depression will come in because I've played with this before many, many times in my life. And I've seen it with myself. How important, well, you've already, you've already touched up on it, but how important do you think it is for people to snap themselves out of that darkness? Absolutely. It's kind of like the matrix, right? Where you have two pills you can swallow. It's either the blue pill or the red pill. And I think, I think those, that analogy is so powerful because we all have that choice to make in our life. But here, here, there's a couple of points I want to draw. The first one is, why do I encourage the audience to embrace the darkness, to walk into it? Why does it matter? Because the only thing worth optimizing in life, the only real enemy that you have, and by the way, it's undefeated for all of us, is time. Time's always running out. It doesn't matter if you got 50 years or 50 days, time is undefeated and you don't know how much time you got left. So the only way to beat time is to understand that it matters more than anything else and you need to optimize against it. That's the only way to beat time. So once you realize that the person who's cutting you off in traffic isn't the enemy, but rather the life that you have left, 
embracing the darkness becomes the only option. Because if you don't, you'll never figure out what to actually do with your time. So I'm a great example of this. You know, I'm exactly what the American dream is. I guess the Canadian dream. You know, rags to riches, get a great job at, at IBM, make six figures, you know, have, uh, you know, cure my parents, not have them having to work anymore. I, I hit all the, the targets and I could have lived that identity for the rest of my life, or I could realize that there's more to life than just making money. There's something else I need to do with my life. I need to figure that out. And the hardest decision I've ever made in my life, John, was after that trip to the darkness, I realized that the next right move for me to make was making the hardest decision I've ever made in my life, which is quitting the job I'd worked so hard to get. And I didn't want to do it because I had to change my identity. I had to go from IBM, the fancy consultant who's making this much money is doing this to a guy who's making 30 grand a year doing mass talk and trying to make it work. Luckily for me, I, I do better than that these days. But the point I want to drive is there's a cost to the darkness, but there's also reward that lies at the other side of it. And it's up to you if you want that pot of gold or not. How old are you? 26. Jesus Christ. <laughs> to have that kind of knowledge at 26 is a rarity. I'm telling you right now, it's a rarity. I'm 20 years older than you are. And I came into this knowledge maybe 10 years ago. Um, and it's, uh, it's like you said, it's not an easy path. I've lived in the darkness before uh, around your age, and it took me to a very dark place, a place where uh, I almost ended everything for myself. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those things that, like you said, like if you can't snap out of it quick enough and you can't appreciate this, the life that you have in this short period of time, you're... Uh, It'll eat you up. It'll take you. How powerful can public speaking be on a person who is depressed or just coming out of depression? Here's the way I see it. Communication is a tool that you can use to hope for a better future and increase your odds of succeeding at that better future. So let's say you get out of depression, which is great. That's already a massive win. And you start to think about goals that you want for yourself. Say, okay, maybe my next goal is just to get a job. So now communication becomes a tool for that. Because wait a second, if I communicate better, if I'm smiling, if I bring my visual expressions, if I'm using my body language, the chances that I get a job, the chances that I achieve this goal goes skyrocket high, way higher. And now I'm a lot more hopeful. I'm a lot more inspired to take that next step. So that's what I would say, John, for me, a couple of things. The first one is communication is an accelerant for the initial dream what it might have outside of a depressive, depressive state. That's the first piece. The second piece is it improves our relationship with ourselves because we can start communicating to ourselves in a better way because our mind can't tell the difference between positive and negative thoughts. It just accepts whatever you tell it to. So you can slowly condition your mind and say, yeah, I can totally get this job. And then once you do and you're proven right, you're like, oh, I can do anything. I can do this, I can do that. And the, that communication, that ability, that quality of how you speak also goes back to you, to how you communicate idea. And the third thing is it improves your relationship with others. 
if you're a fantastic communicator, it's going to be a lot easier for you to make friends, improve social circles, and also find people that deeply care about you. And those social ties will definitely help you, not guarantee, but definitely help you out of another depressive state later down the road. What if people are already in, in depression and they're like, without getting into like too far into depression where you need professional help and stuff, and you know, medication and all that. What about people who are down on their luck and uh, they need an out? How would you tell them that, you know, you know, actually getting on a stage or, you know, improving your communication skills, how do you go about talking to them about, you know what, it's okay to be in the darkness and this is what you need to do to get out? Yeah, I think, I think for me, brother, you know, if someone's in a very deep depression, I probably would recommend they work on their communication too much. They probably have other things to think about. But what I would say is communication is still a vehicle that they can use to improve the relationship that they have with the tools that they're managing. So I'll give an example. What, one thing a lot of depressive people do is, you know, they have conversations with their doctors, their counselors, their therapists. So probably from that angle is probably the most important where when they have those conversations, because they're better at communication, it's easier for them to vent, to talk about their feelings, to talk about their emotions, and quickly lead to the reason behind all of this happening in their life. That's, that's probably the piece I would tackle on. But if I'm being honest, if you're 100% depressed, I, I would focus more on, on uh, figuring out why and trying to get out of it before you think about communication. The reason why I say this is because uh, I remember like when I was at that point in my life and the communication that I had, the communication that I was having with myself in the mirror was very negative. It was very uh, pointed. Um, I'm not going to get into the finer details of what I was telling myself, which was nothing good. Um, what about that guy? That guy who, like, no, he, because I'll be honest with you, if I was to speak to a psychologist or a therapist back then, I would have said nothing. I would have told them nothing. I would have told, I would have told them what they wanted to hear. So it's a very, because you can agree with me if, 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 if you want, which is fine. If you want to disagree with me, again, it's fine. But if you can't speak to yourself in a kind, loving, I'm not saying huggy-wuggy kind of, you know, way like, you know, I love you kind of thing. No, no, no. It's like, yo, bro, what's going on? Like, you know, like a guy should talk to a guy, like a best friend. Do you think trying to improve the communication that you have with yourself is more important than having a communication with someone else at that stage? Mm, I would say for me, John, they're both important and it depends on the person. So for, for example, for me, the communication that I have with others is slightly more important than the one I have with myself. And the reason is because I really love people. Like I'm a really people person. And then when I have these conversations with other people and that energy fuels me because I'm an extrovert, it, it creates better communication with myself. But everyone's different. For some people, it's the opposite. But what I will say, 
definitely communication with oneself improves your ability to talk positive thoughts better. I completely agree. But the other piece as well is if you're really depressed, it might be harder for you to take that first step. But if you were to take that first step, I would say start with one positive thing. Like I would just take a, a notepad. This is something I, I teach people to do. Take a notepad and write down everything that you've accomplished in your life. Everything that you've accomplished in your life, even if it's the smallest thing, everything that you've accomplished. So when somebody writes down what they've accomplished, you know, maybe it's a gold medal they won in high school. Maybe it's a good grade they got on a test. Every day when you wake up, you don't even need to say positive things to yourself. Just take that list and just say that one accomplishment and just do that every day. And that's where I would start the conversation. Very cool. Very cool. I like that. Um, let's talk about one of my favorite topics that I talk to everybody about, uh, failure. How important do you think failure is in, in people's lives? I think failure is essential. I think it's a muscle. It's a necessity for success. I'll give you an example. In any area of life, because okay, so let's say we take relationships, like romantic relationships. Failure is necessary because if you want to find the right person for you, essentially you're optimizing for one man or woman or however you define your gender, which means you need to get rejected hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. That's just the nature. It is the result of, of getting what you want. Or, or if you fear rejection, you can just take the first one that says yes to you and you can lead a miserable life. It's totally up to you, unless some of you get lucky. But uh, not many of you do, given the divorce rates. And, uh, <laughs> and, the, and that doesn't even include the people that are together that don't even want to be together, right? So it's probably 80% or maybe even higher. But the point I want to drive is rejection is a necessity. So this is where we need to remove the emotions from the equation. What's the fact? The fact is, is you won't like everyone. And on top of that, you won't want to be with someone in 40 years. Think about all of the relationships you've had in your life. How many of them today have you known for over 10 years, 20 years? Even for me, it's like handful of people, two people, two people, uh, no, three people, three, three people. people, three Greeks. That's it. Right. And one and of them is my sister. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so mine's probably more like eight if you include family, but the point I want to drive is like, it's so hard to optimize for. I've thought we talked to thousands of people to get to these three people, these eight people, these five people. So yeah, this is not an easy job. So so rejection, failures is a big part of that. What about health? Okay, health. You got to try different things. You might try weightlifting, like shit, this doesn't work for me. You might try meditation, shit, this doesn't work either. And you might try, oh yeah, Wim Hof, let's try an ice bath. You're like shit, this this is cold. I don't want to do this shit. And, and then you'll try a bunch of them, and you'll realize, you know what? Maybe I should just walk thirty minutes a day. So you need to try a bunch of these. You need to fail a bunch of these diet plans, these exercise plans, until you find something that works. So that requires failure. And then the last one, business, sales, marketing. Uh, getting a great job, you need to figure out what you don't want to do. And then you get might get rejected a couple of times. So anything great out of life, John, anything fantastic out of life not, doesn't welcome failure. It necessitates it. It's a necessity. It's admission. It's the price of the ticket. If you want great things out of life, you need to be You need to actually go through that. And that's that's the piece of life that I feel most people don't get. And Tony Robbins says this best, you either pay two prices. You either pay the work of discipline or the life of regret. You, get, you either get to pick the discipline or the regret. You get to choose. 
and that's the point that I feel is missed. So yes, we need to we need to get comfortable with failure if we want to be successful. We need to realize that the people who are successful, they don't, they aren't smarter than you. They aren't more special than you. They just are willing to swing at the bat longer than you until they hit a home run. That's the only difference. Why does the education system have a tendency of rewarding success all the time and punishing failure? Pretty simple. Uh, if you think about it, John, it's something I've asked myself as well. The reason is because the education system was not designed to create leaders. It was designed to create factory workers. And this is not a shot at the system. That's literally what it was designed for in the early 1900s and 1800s when the, when the industrial revolution started, because, but back then, even if factory workers were underpaid and all that stuff, that was like, especially like 70 years ago, that was a great living. You'd work at like Ford Mortars company, you would get a massive pension, but that deal is over. Like no one's, no one has that deal anymore. It's off the table. And the, the basically what I'm saying is not that the education system is bad, but rather the education system is antiquated for the current reality of today's society. That's the major difference. So because it's it's rewarded for factory workers, well, if you're failing, if you fail on the on the factory worker, it's not good because you got to keep doing the same shit every day. And if you mess it up, it's going to make things more expensive. It's going to lead to some quality issues, supply issues. So the the system, the education system needs to reward, uh, needs to reward success rather than failure so that you can be the best factory worker you can be. Except the only problem is factory workers don't get paid a lot of money anymore. Right? Well, so this, would... They still get paid a lot of money. It's just not enough to cover their expenses. And yeah. With the increasing in inflation currently that's going on, increases in inflation, I mean, wages are not going up that fast. And um, are you starting to see a little bit of a shift in, uh, in people's mentality uh, as to maybe I really do need to fail a little bit more to become more successful. Yeah, you know what's interesting about human nature, John, is one thing I have thing that that shifted is things are more accessible now. So now the information's out there. But do I think human nature has really changed that much? Not really. You know, people who have still maxed out their credit cards are still waiting in line for the next iPhone. People who are overweight aren't working out every day to get better. Uh, people who make 70 grand a year are still spending 80 of that grand. So there are some parts of human nature that are still innate in us as human beings, right? Because our brain is two, whatever, whatever the number is. What is it, 2 million years old, 200,000 years old? I don't even know what the number is anymore. So, so that hasn't changed. Because remember, our brain is wired for survival, not happiness. And the best way to survive, and a lot of people don't get this, is to cooperate. It's to do what other people expect us to. Because if we don't do what other people expect us to do, what's going to happen? We're going to get kicked out of the tribe. Oh, you don't, you don't want to buy a big house, John? Oh, you're probably not cool. Oh, you don't want to get a nice car? You don't want to stay in Toronto? You don't want to stay in Canada? What's wrong with you? you right? So, so we feel that whenever we go against the norm, even if they don't tell us, they tell us, hey, like you're not going to be part of this tribe if you go in that direction. And, and that's why most of us stay in the tribe. That's why most of us don't follow dreams. I, I actually think it's normal that most of us don't actually pursue what we want. Our brain is wired so that we don't achieve our dreams. So we need to co continuously fight against that so we actually have the life that we want. Do you think COVID may have 
shifted that mentality a little bit? I, I do. I do think that some of it was shifted. And the reason is not necessarily because it's a magic silver bullet, but because COVID created a shock. So I definitely think what happened is the midlife crisis happened earlier for some people. So some people woke up to the, 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 the life crisis at 25 or 35 instead of 45, which I think is a gift for, for many of us. Because unfortunately, this is what I find unfortunate about human society in general, John, is we, ha- we wait for that life-changing event to happen. We don't just change on our own. I'm probably one of the few people that has done this where I kind of just looked at the mistakes and I said, well, I don't want to get divorced. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I probably shouldn't drink. And I, I just skipped all the mistakes. But unfortunately, it's not the case for most of us. We need to we need to get slapped in the face to actually learn a lesson, unfortunately. It's how human society is. So yes, I do think it's changed. Do I think it's changed a lot though? No, I don't. And, and a great example of that is the stimmy checks in the US. You know, Patrick B. David said it so well. You know, Andrew Yang, when he ran for president four years ago, or how many years ago it was, he talked about universal basic income. You know, if you give everyone $1,000 a month, $2,000 a month, everyone will live a better life. Well, that's what happened last year. And so what happened? Most people took their stimmy checks and they threw it into the stock market, to random stocks. They started gambling with the money. They wasted all of it. And that's just human nature, brother. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, I know for me, it was, uh, it was COVID that got me to start this podcast and bring my, my fitness business online. And for me to leave my job, my nice comfy job with a great pension at a hospital in Toronto, which has the second best pension plan in all of Canada. And I'm like, I remember walking into the office one day and I was sitting down at my desk and I was completely and utterly uninterested in everything I was doing. I was uninterested in everybody around me uh, to the point where my supervisor sat down right beside me and he told me, you got to figure out what you really want to do. And that was bang. That was like the punch in the face that I needed. And you're right. A lot of us, we need the punch in the face. We really need because it's so, so important. Without the punch in the face or the kick between the legs, especially for guys, we know how how, how painful that is. We're not going to learn. Absolutely. We all have our own journeys, right? Some of us need a need an elbow in the face. Other people need a kick in the shins. Other people need a... So everyone's different. And some people just need a, a podcast recording like this to listen to. And they go, okay, maybe I should change. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own time. But I think the key is uh, you want to try and speed that up because time's running out on all of us. That is so true. Those two things that are unavoidable in life is death and taxes. Death and ta- taxes? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you know a way around taxes, you know, okay? <laughs> the trick is don't make any money at all. There's nothing to tax. <laughs> you don't make any money at all. You can't live. You can't, you can't produce podcasts. You can't you know, do stuff. You can't oh, go that's a limiting vacations. belief. Come on, that's a limiting belief. Life is a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, we're coming up close to the end of the show. And these are the seven or eight questions I ask all my guests. And I'd like to get your perspective on these seven or eight questions. With the increase in people suffering from depression from the constant uncertainty that we've been living through the last two years, 
what's the one thing that you could tell them to keep their hopes up? I would say there's only, you know, we're always looking for somebody else for hope. And Pope Francis says it best. He says that it only takes one person to have hope in the world. And why can't that person be you? That's what I I would say. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, What's the one thing that you do daily that amplifies your ability to stay focused? Uh, My insanity. Living life exactly to my image. And that means waking up every morning at the podcast. That means seeing my mom. That means dancing in my basement. That means listening to Justin Bieber and pumping some Afrobeat. It means living life by your design, exactly by your design. That's amazing. Um, If you could pick up the phone right now and call yourself at 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? I would say, saw, dude. (laughs) I would say... I would say, listen to more podcasts. That's, I know it's a weird advice. I would say, listen to more podcasts. The other thing I would say is be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's totally fine. But if you want to do something special with your life, you need to realize that the people who do crazy things are crazy people. I mean, don't you find it odd that I started a YouTube channel at 22, coaching executives and doing communication tips when I should have started a channel on pranks, music videos, or skits or comedy, what are the kids are into? But I still live with my mom. I'm scared to drive. I dance alone in my mom's basement. I karaoke in eight different languages. That's bizarre. And that's the point. When every decision in your life is bizarre and only makes sense to the only person that it should, which is you, you're probably making the right decisions. That's, that's, that's great. That's great. Uh, looking back the last six years, would you change anything? I'm surprised by people who would say, yes. Oh, so the only thing I might've changed, maybe I would've talked to my dad a little bit longer. I didn't really talk to him that much before he died. Probably would have spent a few more minutes just chatting with him. That's all. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I'm sorry for your loss, by the way. Yeah, Norris. Thanks, man. Um, what scares you? Not achieving the full potential of who I could be. I really do believe I'm the best communication coach that ever lived, but I also hope I can get there before my time is up because my time can end at any moment, even if I'm young. So yeah, that scares the shit out of me. So I try my best every day to get there fast. I have a feeling you're going to soar. I mean, at 26 years old and you're doing what you're doing, I have a feeling that you're going to just, you're going to go past the moon. You're going to be orbiting Pluto. <laughs> Thanks, brother. We try. Things are working for sure, but not at the pace I would like. But but yes, we got to stay hopeful. We got to stay optimistic. It never happens at the pace that we want. It always happens at the pace that he wants. <laughs> Is that Tim? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Tim the donut guy? <laughs> <laughs> the greater universe, the whatever you want to call him, the it's true. He does make great donuts. The, the connector, yeah, he makes the best donuts. <laughs> Tim really decides. <laughs> uh, where do you see Master Talk in the next five years? Sure, man. So, so I'll tell you the vision because I know we're having a deeper conversation here. So I was listening to a TikTok the other day, John, and and the TikTok had Taylor Swift in it. So Taylor Swift walks up on the stage, it's 2014. And she wins Woman of the Year by Billboard. 
Okay, it's like an award that Billboard gives us like a music company. And she stares at the audience and says the following. Your future woman of the year is 11 years old right now. She's sitting in a choir. She's playing piano. And we need to take care of her. And then what happens is at the end of the TikTok, flash forward seven years, it's 2021 or something. And Billie Eilish is the youngest inductee in Billboard's history. And she wins woman of the year. She's like 17 years old at the time. And she walks up on stage. She's got her big bulky jacket. She's got her big glasses. She looks at the crowd and goes, what's up, everyone? You know, all the people that won Woman of the Year before were so much better at me at communicating, but I'll do my best. I have like a two-minute speech. And the only thing she says, John, is she looks at the camera. She looks at the audience and says, in 2014, I watched Taylor Swift's speech. And I was 11 years old. And I was learning choir for the first time. And I was figuring out the piano. And I always wanted to be a singer. So the only thing I've left to say, Billboard, is thank you for taking care of me. So why do I tell you that story, John? I tell you that story because when I heard that TikTok, it reminded me of the next Elon Musk. Are we taking care of the next Elon Musk? Because when Elon was 15 years old, nobody gave a shit about him. Nobody created free communication resources for that person. Nobody tried to help him until he was successful, and then people wanted to give him money. So I'm thinking about the next Elon Musk right now, as we're talking. We don't know who that person is. They're 15 years old. They're in Guatemala. They might even be a girl. Who knows? I want to make sure that all of these geniuses of our society have access to me. Even if it's not me directly, some shape, form of me, so that they grow up becoming exceptional speakers, whether they pay me a dime or not. That's the vision for Mass Talk, and I want to get there in five years. That's awesome. That's, um, that's a great, that's a great uh, vision that you have. What about you personally? Where do you see yourself personally in five years? I would say to probably my early 30s, I'm going to start looking for a wife. That's probably going to be the, the other thing personally for me. For me, I've, I've already made the decision. My 20s are going to be focused on legacy. It's the only time in my life that I get to be selfish with my own time. So I'm going to leverage it to the best of my abilities. But yeah, in the next five years, I'll be 31. So that's when I'll begin the search for, uh, for the person I should be with. And I'll probably start a family in my 30s. That's probably what it looks like for me personally. Um, word of advice. Don't take too long. Try Don't take too long. It gets harder when you get older. Trust me. Yeah. Trust me. I'm speaking from experience on this one. <laughs> Fair enough. If it comes, it comes, and you just got to deal with the punches as it comes. That's all. That's all you got to do. <laughs> you're no. a wise man. I, I learned from my mentors, and you're one of them. <laughs> oh wow! Thank you. Uh, I didn't expect that. In, in the Greek category, for sure. <laughs> in the Greek category, okay. <laughs> oh man, uh, where can people find more about you, Carlos? And, and the reason I say that is 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 not to inflate your ego. It's because I think everyone is my mentor right, in some way. I think the reason why I've made it this far has nothing to do with me. It's because I listen to people who are older than me because they're saying something with good intention. And I think that's what a lot of people my age miss is that they think they're always right all the time. That's the biggest mistake in their 20s is they're filled with ego. In their 30s, the mistake is, is you're, you're focused on your mortgage. You're not focused on your dreams. In your 40s, you start worrying about your life and seeing where life went. In your 50s, you realize time is up and you don't do anything. In your 60s, you die. This is, what, this is the problem with each generation. So in my 20s, what I realized, John, is I said, what if I listened to John with a different ear? 
what if I assumed he was trying to tell me something that would help my life? And then even if I, whether I disagree with you or not, at least I have that edge and I go, what if he's right? And that's really what shortcutted my success. And I hope people take that to heart and, and listen to more of what you have to say as well. <laughs> well, I, I love that you said that because um, I didn't mean it as a joke. I meant it because I lived it. I'm in my mid forties and I'm still single. I'm trying to find somebody to spend the rest of my life with. And I don't want to see guys like you in my shoes. I want you guys to have all the success in the world, plus have a, uh, a loving wife and adoring children that when they're in my age, they're in high school and you can deal with a high school, high school, teenage years. Like if I get a wife now and I have kids now, when they're in high school, I'll be in my f- late fifties, early sixties. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's, 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 it's something to, that's why I said, don't take too long. Don't, uh, don't, don't have a set plan if it comes your way and she's perfect for you and she's um, and she cares about you. She, she wants to share in your vision. Jump on that, whether you're 26 or 28 or 30 or 31 or 32, just jump on it because your success will amplify twice as much with her in your life than with her with outside of your life. And I'm not just talking about success when it comes to financial prestige, influential influencers, influencer status. I'm talking about taking care. When you start to look at life, you know, being able to take care of somebody else, it pulls you out of this. It's just about me. Now it's just about somebody else. And it changes everything that you do. And it elevates you to, to ways and places that you could never expect. That's why I said, that's why I said what I said. It's because I know because I'm living it. I see my brother-in-law who has two kids and he's, he's killing it. He's absolutely killing it with my, and in business and in success and everything. So that's why I said what I said is because like you said, like I've, I'm living proof that, yeah, okay, you can, you can reach certain levels and milestones in your life by yourself, but when you have somebody to work for, and Steve Harvey said this the best, Steve Harvey has four jobs. Those four jobs are his kids. Oh. He doesn't work for himself. He works for his kids. And I don't mean to preach to you and tell you what to do with your life, but I'll, what I am like, I'm going to re-say it again. Like if it comes into your life now, jump all over it, jump all over it and don't let it go. Cause if you let it go, you're not going to find it again. It's going to be very hard to find it again. Powerful, man. Powerful. <laughs> the Greek God has spoken. I'm kidding. <laughs> I love it, man. Thanks for sharing your experience. That was super powerful. No problem. No problem. Uh, so let's get back to the. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, <laughs> so where people can uh, find. Where can people sure. find more about you? Yes. Yeah, so, so two ways. To, I love this conversation. It's great. Thanks for having me. So the first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos on how to communicate ideas effectively. And then number two is just for those of you who are interested in coaching. Just attend one of my free Zoom calls. 
on communication. They're super fun. They're interactive. It's not recorded. And the website for that is rockstarcommunicator.com. And we will post the links with the show notes below so everybody has easy access to your content and uh, easy access to you as well. Awesome, brother. Uh, any final thoughts? I would say final thoughts is how would your life change if you were an exceptional communicator? Don't forget about that question. Really start to reflect on it. Because if you spend that 10, 15 minutes, that will give you the courage, the enthusiasm to implement a lot of the strategies we talked about today. That's awesome. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on the show. This conversation was interesting. I really loved it. Um, I picked up a lot of stuff and coming from a, seeing a 26 year old phenom like you on the, on the, on this kind of stage is amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm inspired just by, you know, your age, your knowledge, your wisdom, your insights. It's, it's really, really, really great to see young kids like you. And I can call you a kid because I'm old enough to call you a kid. <laughs> but I appreciate it, brother. It's really inspiring to see uh, the youth like you coming up and stepping up into your own and living the life that you were destined to. So thank you so much for being that representation, that positive representation of what this world could be. Could be. Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate the kind words, man. We try, try our best. <laughs> Going through hard times is just a test. What you need to know is that when you get out of whatever you're going through, you will be stronger than ever before and you don't need to go through it alone. Always know that you are not alone. Stay tuned for more real people with amazing stories that are just like yours. Until then, to everyone out there listening, I wish you a good morning, good afternoon, or good night wherever you may be in this crazy world. Hey everybody, it's John from Resilient Reboot Productions and the Fitness Oracle. Thank you for watching this episode and I really hope that you enjoyed it. Please don't forget to subscribe, hit the bell, and share this video if you are watching this on YouTube or on Rumble. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, or whatever streaming service that you may be using, please give us a five-star rating and a positive review as it will help us reach more people that are suffering from mental health issues. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to join us on Pod Inbox. This is a great platform that we can keep the conversation going. Over the years, we've discovered that the best way to help people regain their confidence back of whatever fitness goal that they are looking for is to put together a tight-knit community that will be here to support you in that journey. So in order for us to do that, we are partnering up with Pod Inbox to help us create that platform and give you that opportunity to have your voice heard. So all you have to do is click on the link in the show notes and get your set up your free account on Pod Inbox right now, and let's hear your voice. Until then, I'll see you guys soon.